Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Today, we get back to our series in the book of James called The Matters of Real Christianity. We are coming to the end of this series and are in James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. Today, we will be looking at patience, a matter of waiting. We encourage you to open up your Bible and follow along with Pastor Roy. We took a moment to reflect on 9-11 this morning with the video, and I know in in my own lifetime that's the darkest day, I think, of American history that I can certainly remember in my lifetime of something that happened of such tragedy and magnitude. And and, uh, how many of you, and, and I know some of you were really, really small or maybe not even born, but how many of you remember where you were when 9-11 happened? Yeah, look at the hands. Yes, I remember being at home studying that day, and I, I, I don't remember why I called the church that morning, but I called the church that I was a part of and, and uh, was speaking to my assistant, and she said they were gathering in Dr. Kroll's office to, to pray uh, that something had happened, and uh, so I remember getting off the phone and turning on the television and seeing different pictures of the different places of destruction. Uh, the Twin Towers, the Pentagon, and Pennsylvania, and I just remember the utter confusion I had as to what was going on, and um, the chaos that was happening as well, and and uh, trying to make phone calls, and the lines were jammed, and uh, it was just an incredible day in our culture. But the one thing that does stand out to me, uh, among many things, uh, is how many people began to come back to church. Uh, the churches were more full. And I don't know what it is about us, but we tend to drift just like the Israelites away from the Lord. And sometimes these tragedies come and crises to bring us back to God and bring us back into perspective. And I share that this morning because really even our our text this morning, uh, there were some brothers and sisters in Christ who were having a very difficult, challenging time uh, in their lives. And so we want to read down through this text this morning in James chapter 5, uh, verses 7 to 12. And uh, I've labeled the message today, Patience, a Matter of Waiting. And that's really what this text is talking about mostly. Um, There's a little bit at the end, so we'll spend a lot of time talking about that. But James opens this section with, Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no or you will be condemned. 
The whole idea of patience was brought home to me in vivid color again in 3D um, just a few days ago when I got my wife back. Uh, she was gone about three weeks uh, to get Ryan to school and then visited her, her parents and spent some time with them. I was to pick her up at the airport in Sioux Falls at 9.10 was her flight. I'm on my way to Sioux Falls. She calls me and says, my flight has been delayed. Have you left yet? Yes, I'm on my way. And so, anyhow, it was only about a half hour later. Um, then, you know, we got her uh, belongings. We make our way home. We pull in the driveway. It's almost midnight. And I hit the garage door button for the garage door to go up, and it doesn't work. Did I mention neither one of us have a house key on us? Did I mention the house was dark and Brandon is downstairs in bed? Did I mention we have a rule in our house that the boys can't have their phone downstairs when they're going to bed? It's got to be upstairs. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking we may have to go rent a hotel in, in Huron. We can't get in our own house. So I said, well, let's go to Walmart and we can get a battery for the remote. And I was pessimistic as to whether or not they would even have the right kind of battery. But we got to Walmart, and they had the right kind. So we bought a pack, and we got home. We stuck it in. It didn't work. I'm like, what are we going to do? We've talked about hiding a key outside, but we haven't done that yet. And so I, I said, man, I don't want to knock on the window downstairs and scare Brandon half to death. And so Pam started ringing the doorbell repeatedly. <laughs> And Brandon's downstairs, and my cell phone rings. And it's Brandon. He said, uh, are you guys home yet? <laughs> I said, yes, we are. We're standing at the door because we can't get in. We're locked out. And anyhow, he finally came up and let us in, and we made it in. So patience. I don't have time for patience. You don't have time for patience. But you know what? I don't need patience for my past. I need patience now for things I'm struggling with, and I need patience for my future. These people were struggling with patience. It's interesting, there was a study done in 2012 about online users. And you know what they discovered? That if people could not access a video within two seconds, they became impatient. And the faster speed they had, the more impatient they became. And that's what they found. The actual people who could access it slower actually had more patience. And they say that it's actually rewiring our brains in such that we just become more impatient because we can't get something quick. And yet here, the first thing that James says is be patient, brothers, until the Lord's coming. Now, I want to remind you, what were the brothers facing? Well, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the rich who were oppressing the poor. And that's why they were struggling is because the rich were oppressing them. They were having a hard time even making ends meet. They were not being treated fairly. They were being mistreated. And when you're mistreated, it's hard to be patient. And it's not just about perseverance. It's about what Wes read this morning about trusting God. That we need to trust God in the midst of difficulty. And it's not easy to do. We want to run ahead of the Lord. So here's the first thing 
that he wants us to do is we need to grow in the discipline of waiting on God. When we do this, God is moving us from the minor leagues to the major leagues. Because waiting on God, you can't do that very long and stay in the minor leagues. God is asking us to grow to become mature Christians, that we grow in the discipline of waiting, that we can delay gratification, that we can delay God giving us an instant answer and trusting him all the way until the Lord's coming. Now, you don't think that's a challenge? How long have we been waiting? 2,000 years? Well, how long did it take for the first coming? A lot longer than that. About 4,000. Before what we sang about, that Christ came in the flesh was... 4,000 years. And now we've been waiting 2,000. We're like, we're, they were thinking he was coming back right now. It was only about 30 years since he had left. And they're thinking he's coming back. He's coming back. And he wasn't coming back. And he's saying, be patient until the Lord's coming. Show self-restraint. Not trying to get even when I have been wronged. Let me give you a definition of patience from dictionary.com. It is the quality of being patient. I always like that. Quality of being patient. As the bearing of provocation, annoyance, misfortune, or pain without complaint, loss of temper, irritation, or the like. Ouch. <laughs> You've been frustrated, irritated, pain, misfortune, annoyance. I mean, kids waiting for summer break when it's September, it seems like it's never going to come, right? Uh, in winter, in South Dakota, I don't know about you, but it seems like summer's never going to come sometimes. <laughs> How about young mothers, when your kids are in diapers, they're never going to get potty trained. <laughs> the kid's trying to ride the bike and the training wheels are never going to come off. He's never going to get it. You know, we just, it just goes on and on where we have to learn to be patient. Everything seems to take longer, whether we're remodeling a house or a church gym. Everything takes longer. It just does. Andrew Murray said, patience is derived from a Latin word for suffering. Did you hear that? It's derived from a Latin word for suffering. He said, it suggests the thought of being under the constraint of some power for which we would gladly be free. We'd like to be free from under that power. But, you know, here they're under the domination and control of the rich, and they're being oppressed. They're being marginalized. And James is saying, be patient. God is coming back for us. And that's what you need to keep in mind. I remember years ago when I was a single guy, I went with a friend of mine. We went up to Dearborn, Michigan to the Henry Ford Museum. Great place if you've never been there. It has acres of stuff to see. And then uh, that evening, uh, we went to the Detroit Tigers uh, baseball game. And I remember a friend of mine is, uh, told me, he says, when you go to the Tigers stadium, he said, you're going to see guys out there by the road, and they're going to be holding these big signs that say, easy out. 
And he said, pull into one of those and park there. Don't park at the stadium. I said, why? He said, because in the stadium, you can't get out. They park bumper to bumper to bumper. You cannot get out. And he said, you want to have that easy out. And so I did. I went into an easy out. And I thought, how many times that's what we're looking for in the Christian life? We want an easy out. And God doesn't provide one for us. He's saying, be patient. And it's a challenge for us to do that, is it not? To be patient. Here he gives three illustrations of patience. The farmer, the prophets, and Job. The faithfulness of the farmer to wait. He has to wait for his crops to grow. He has to wait for God to send rain and sunshine. He has to be patient month after month, week after week, cultivating the land, weeding, getting the weeds out, and waiting patiently for God to grow the crop. He says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. Notice he said the crop is what? Valuable. And it is. It's expensive to put it in the ground, is it not? And they say, historians actually say James was probably a farmer himself at one time, and that's probably why he's using this illustration of a farmer. But here's the thing. The early and latter rains, the, actually earlier, uh, the early rains actually came in the fall, and then the latter rain actually came in the spring. They actually harvested their crop in the spring. And we have to understand, they didn't have all the water sources that they have in Egypt. And so they didn't have that. They had to expect God to send the rain. In, in Galilee, they would get maybe 40 inches a year. But then other places, like down by the Dead Sea in the south, they would get about four inches a year. And so it varied greatly. The climate varied greatly as well. And so... Can you imagine the farmer who gets the rain in the north and the farmer who doesn't get it in the south? Maybe the one in the south is really struggling with the idea of being patient, waiting on the Lord. Do you ever look at other Christians and you see what they have and you see how God is blessing them and giving them things and it seems to come for you by blood, sweat, and tears and you become discouraged? Patience is not always easy at all. And so James is really challenging us to be in the major league spiritually and face this. The latter rains would come in mid-March or March to mid-April, and then that would kind of be the end of it. And the temperatures would fluctuate as well. It was a dry, arid place. Patience is listed as a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, what? Patience. It's a fruit of the Spirit of God in us. So the more the Spirit of God is controlling our lives, the more patient we can become. And God can help us with that. In Ephesians 4, for living a life worthy of God's calling, he says we need to be patient. It's a list of the garments a Christian should put on in Colossians 3. The word means long temper. The word used here means long temper. It means to not lose your cool, 
but to be even keeled, even balanced, even when you're going through difficulty and trial and suffering or oppression. William Barclay said Chrysostom defined the word for patience as the spirit which could take revenge if it liked, but utterly refuses to do so. I like that. Could take revenge, but refuses not to. And we live in a world that when we've been wronged, we want to lash back at somebody rather than patiently endure the suffering. Do we not? We want to lash back at people, and God says to be patient. To the Greek, the Greek said a big person who is a big man will go all out for vengeance. They actually had the opposite. But to the Christian man, he refuses to lash back in revenge and retaliation. Have you ever been hurt and you want to lash back and retaliate for that hurt? James is saying, patiently endure the suffering that you're going through as a Christian. One of the things that God judged Israel for was their failure to wait on him. Failure to wait on God was a recurring sin among God's people. There are three failures recorded in relationship to their sin of failing to wait on Jehovah. One was their battle against Ai. They didn't wait on the Lord. They rushed in and they were defeated. Another was making a covenant with the Gibeonites. And the third one was in settling down without going up to possess the whole land that God had given them. They did not wait on the Lord. They did not wait for his counsel. Here's a verse in Psalm 106, 13, but they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his counsel. Here's the idea of patience when we go to purchase a house or a large item or waiting on the Lord to do something in our lives of our children and we have to be patient or we're going through a physical infirmity and to be patient is not easy but God is calling us to do that look at the faithfulness of the farmer he said who's willing to wait secondly look at the faithfulness of God to provide God provides the rain God provides the sunshine God provides the heat he provides everything necessary for the crop to grow so the farmer can have a harvest and the farmer has to trust God to supply that he's saying that's what the attitude we need to have the attitude of the farmer we're willing to wait for God to bring the fruit of the spirit in our lives for God to change us and grow us and make us more like him that's what he wants to do in our lives. Notice he goes on to say how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, he says, be patient and stand firm. He could stand firm because the Lord's coming was close at hand. It means to strengthen your hearts. It means to put iron in your heart. Put iron in your heart. Stand firm. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in, in 2 Corinthians, and he says, don't lose heart. 
Because there's a lot of Christians that lose heart and give up. Oh, God is allowing me to go through this suffering. He's allowing me to go through this, and I can't handle it. No, you can't, but with God's strength, you can. (laughs) And with God's strength, I can. And with God's grace, we can. So I don't know what you're going through, but I know that God can give you the grace and the strength, but it's going to be on his timetable and not yours. And God's clock is moving, even though we think it's standing still. His clock is moving. He is moving as well. Even when we can't see him, God is at work behind the scenes. He is all-wise and all-knowing, and he won't bring anything into our lives that is going to keep us from being the person he wants us to be. So stand firm. Be strong in the inner man. It's to help a person stand up under the stress and pressure of life. Whatever trouble he may face, he can stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. That's what he's saying. I love this. This guy said, while waiting for his mother at the bank the other day, he said... He was reading an article about not complaining for 21 days. He said, I shall try it starting tomorrow. (laughs) Here's the second thing he gives us. Guard against a complaining spirit. Whenever we are going through a difficult thing, we tend to complain. And notice I said we. You know, we have a little saying in our house. When somebody begins to complain or get upset about something and we say they're getting salty. You're getting salty. I hear that a lot. I don't know why. (laughs) Um, We tend to complain. I find myself complaining too much about stuff in life instead of trusting God. Think about what the options are. If I'm complaining, am I really trusting God? That's the question for all of us to answer. Are we really trusting the Lord? What constitutes complaining? One dictionary defines it as an expression of pain, dissatisfaction, or resentment. Expression of pain, dissatisfaction, or resentment. And I'm going to add something to that. It's a statement of dislike, blame, or judgment that we whine about repeatedly. Why say it once when we can indulge in our misery, right? Uh, Let me give you a difference between discussing and complaining, because there is a difference between the two. What is the difference between complaining and discussing certain topics in a constructive way? It lies in our attitude, our motivation for speaking. Discussing a situation involves taking a more balanced approach in which we actively try to understand the origin of the problem and think of a remedy. In our mind, we become proactive, not reactive. We assume responsibility for what is our responsibility, and we stop blaming others when we cannot control a situation. I love uh, Vance Havner, who is in heaven today. He had some great quotes, and he said, if we, if we growl all day, we shouldn't be surprised if we end up dog-tired at night. <laughs> if we're going to growl all day. 
Because here, this idea of grumbling, he goes on to say in verse 9, don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Because whenever we're under pressure and stress and suffering, it's easy to begin to point fingers at one another. Well, look at you. You're not going through that. Look what you have. I don't have, have that. And we begin to grumble and complain about our situation. And he means to sigh, to have inner distress. Somebody said there's two kinds of people in every hospital, those who are desperately ill and those who complain about the food. <laughs> it's probably true. How do I overcome complaining? I'll show you how. By remembering these truths for all of us. Number one, that God is at work in my situation. All things work together for good to those who what? Love God. See, the problem is we often don't love God and we want it to work out. We're not trusting God and we want it to work out. But I overcome complaining by remembering that God is at work in my life. He's at work in your life. He may be doing things we don't enjoy, particularly at the moment, but he's looking at the long term and we're looking at the short term. But he's at work in our lives. And if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you are struggling in your life, guess what? God is knocking at your door, the door of your heart. And if you're not struggling, you're probably deceived. <laughs> he's knocking at the door of your heart that you might yield your life, to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is at work in our situation. And he will continue to bring pressure on you and difficulty on you until you bow your knee to him. And that's true even in the life of a believer. He wants us to bow before him. Secondly, God works things out according to his purpose and will. I need to remember that. I am not the Messiah. You're not the Messiah. God is God and we are not. He is God. He works things out according to his purpose and will. And we have to remember that. That will help us not complain if we remember that God works things out. Here, look at this verse with me. Ephesians 1.11, In him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Does God love me more than I can comprehend? Does he care about me more than I can comprehend? And we need to trust him for that. Thirdly, God will judge me for my complaining. I need to remember that. He is going to judge me for my complaining. He says, don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. He's talking about the eternal judge is taking notice of my words and your words. <laughs> and so I need to remember that. He is going to judge me for my complaining, just like he judged the Israelites for their complaining. He says, I'm going to say to you, every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. 
Fourthly, God is using trials to grow my faith. He was trying to get these believers to be patient and give God room to work in their lives because God is trying to grow you through these trials. Didn't he say at the beginning of the very opening of this letter, consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith faith develops what? Perseverance. Patience. And God is using those in our life to grow our faith. If we remember that, we'll be less apt to complain. Fifthly, God promises to meet all my needs. He promises. (laughs) And when God makes a promise, who was it? Somebody sang a song, a promise is a promise and a fact's a fact. And God is going to keep his promise to us as his people. Philippians 4.19, but my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. What do you need? Strength, encouragement, hope. God will give all that to you day by day, moment by moment. Six, God will give me a fresh supply of strength. They that wait upon the Lord will what? Renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not be faint. And the last one, to think good thoughts. Philippians 4.8. I mean, what does it tell us we should be thinking about instead of complaining? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And that's a challenge for all of us. We're going to fall short, but we should be growing in this area as we grow in our relationship with the Lord. Let me go on to the third thing. Grasp the attitude of patience from Old Testament saints. He talks about the example of the prophets. Let me remind you about a couple prophets. Jeremiah was put in stocks. He was locked up. He was thrown into a slimy pit. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. I mean, they went through some hard times. Go to Hebrews chapter 11 and see the things that the prophets went through. Some of them died violent deaths. The prophets, we need to go back and we need to look back. He's saying, look back at their patients who remember they were still waiting for the first coming of Christ, let alone the second coming. He's saying, but look at their perseverance. Look at their patience. Look at their trust in the Lord. And unwaveringly, they preached the message that the Messiah was coming and faced persecution for it. Notice he says in verse 10, Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who did what? They spoke in the name of the Lord. And that's why Jesus said then in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Persecuted for righteousness' sake, and yet without complaining. Then we also have the example of Job. Boy, we could spend... Weeks on his life. I mean, he lost 
his oxen. He lost his donkeys. He lost his sheep. He lost his servants. He lost his seven sons and three daughters. All at one time, he lost his health. He lost his wealth. He's saying, look at his perseverance. He did not turn his back on God. What an example of patience and perseverance. Perseverance, steadfast endurance. And then he gives the last thing here. Govern my conversation to be above reproach. Notice he says, above all, in verse 12, brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. He is not saying here that we should not never take an oath. What he's saying is, in general conversation, you don't have to swear an oath to say you're telling the truth. Just tell the truth. That's what he's saying. And so... There's a prohibition here against taking an oath in general conversation where you're just swearing and saying, oh, I swear this, I swear this, I swear I'm telling the truth. He's saying, just tell the truth. (laughs) You don't have to make an oath about it. Be a person of integrity. James is forbidding the same thing here Jesus was forbidding in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 5, verses 34 to 37. He's saying casual use of oaths in informal conversation should not happen. Oaths are serious, and they should be reserved for a court of law or something like that. God made an oath in Psalm 110, verse 4. It says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Rather than making a formal oath, he says, let your outward yes be the inward yes. And let your outward no be an inward no. He's saying, be truthful in what you're saying. Don't say yes on the outside, but you mean no on the inside, or vice versa. He's saying, be true in what you're saying. Practice truthful speech. Let's stand for a word of prayer. I just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Let me ask you a question. How are you doing with patience? Has God given you some opportunities in recent days or maybe currently to be patient? And I love the concept of being yielded to God's timetable. And I know I've been in the Christian life long enough to know that God's timetable is far different than mine. And what he has in mind for me sometimes is far different than what I have in mind for myself. Are you going through a time that you need to be patient? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal savior? We had September 11, 2001. Those people went to work that morning, never dreaming they would be in eternity in a few moments. We don't know our last breath and heartbeat. We may think, well, I'm going to give my life to Christ one day, 
but when will that be? Is the Lord, is the Holy Spirit prompting you to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Don't harden your heart against the Lord. We have to humble ourselves to receive him as Savior and Lord. We sang about in Christ alone our hope is found. If you are feeling hopeless this morning, your hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. And if you're not facing a hard time right now or some kind of suffering or difficulty, I will guarantee you this. If you live very long, you will face it. That I can promise you. Because the scripture promises that. He says we will enter through much tribulation. I don't know what... I don't know what our country is going to face with the upcoming election. I know that we are moving further and further away from not only truth, but we're moving further and further away from being any kind of Christian. We're not a Christian nation <laughs> by a long shot. And I don't know what they're going to try to do to silence the church, but we've got to stand up and be firm in our voice and in our faith for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have a spiritual need in your life, you would like someone to pray with you, whether to receive Christ as your personal Savior or you're just struggling with something in your life and you need patience and you need hope and encouragement, that's why we're here. I'd love to pray with you. Or grab another brother or sister in Christ who can pray with you. And we need to share and bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I'll be shaking hands in the back. If you would like to pray with me, I'd be glad to, to do that with you. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.